Uh, meanwhile, Ebon has been like slowly creeping through the shadows, letting everybody mm-hmm. know he's coming through. He kidnapped this one cop who had been uh, killing bang babies, I think they were. And Ebon was like, oh, we're not having that. So, so he's not really doing nothing bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Okay. There's no problems yet. So. <laughs> That's what I look at it. But yeah, Ebon's back. Y'all, welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. I am Ricardo Obert, aka Rocket. Oh, okay, that's Rocket. I'm Dr. Pamela Isley, aka Poison Ivy. Oh, well, we're gonna be talking about her a little bit later, but she's had a really good She has. She has. She's been on top. So, <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We'll be talking about her. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. It has been once again unseasonably warm in my area so everyone's been out in shorts and things like that we've been enjoying the sun it was like 65 degrees i think yesterday so that was nice i got to go out and run some errands which is cool my mom's birthday is coming up so i've been looking for some things for her and what i'm going to do for her and getting ready for that any ideas yet what you thinking i have a couple but she listens to the show so i can't talk about them (laughs) (laughs) don't want to give it away that's that's fair that's fair how are you i'm good I am, um, I am not good. (laughs) (laughs) I have been, um, you know, being an adult, trying to (laughs) kick it with the kids. It was genuine, like, pause and try to be like, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to fake the funk. I respect that, though. These are hard times. These are, like, a trying time. I think everyone and all we can do is the best. Take a day, take a breath. Having a great time, trust me. <laughs> okay, that's all you can do. That's yeah. all we need. But here I am. Okay, that's, that's good. Did Did you see the um the pics of them in Congress and Marjorie Taylor Greene was dressed in all white, booing Joe Biden? Yes, yes. Didn't Didn't that look like Emma Frost and Charles Xavier in the Quiet Council? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like that, that's literally as soon as I saw, I said, she, oh, she walked she, literally, she walked in in something that I think Emma's probably worn in the comics <laughs> before like the fur coat, like the white, just on the back, liar. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely yelled at <laughs> like Xavier before. Thumbs down, booing. I thought that was a really great moment of life imitating art. I just wanted to bring that up. Yes. Um, great moment. If y'all are out there listening, then go find that on the internet because it's really funny. Um, all right, well, let's get into these updates of the week. Um, first up, we were just talking about Poison Ivy and mm-hmm. her solo series has now been extended into an ongoing. So previously it was announced as just a six issue miniseries. However, um, you know, DC execs were like, you know, if it gets a lot of praise and some money behind it, we can extend it. So then it did, and it got extended to 12 issues, and now it's now being extended to an ongoing. So I think that's really cool. I think this seems like the first time I've really seen this kind of happen for a book, mm-hmm. in my opinion, 
Have you ever seen something happen like this? I think the last, so shockingly enough, I think it happens the most with DC books. I think the last few times that I've seen it happen was a Swamp Thing with Ram V, like his run had got a certain amount and then they got greener for some more. And then the Wonder Twin series that they had come out back in the day, a few years ago, I think that originally had six and then it got to 12. So that's one thing I'll always give to DC. Like if the book is doing well and like it's making its noise, they will like continue on to push that out. And shout out to G. Willow Wilson. The book is great. I'm going to talk about issue nine that came out this week a little bit later, but it truly has been just a masterclass in writing, character growth. The art from Marcio Sakar is amazing and like out of this world. It's just really, really good stuff. So shout out to them. And like I said, she's been having a good week. This news also came off the heels of the premiere of the Harley Quinn Valentine's Day special, mm-hmm. which I watched earlier today. And that was also really, really good and funny. And like, I'm truly becoming a Harley Ivy person. I'm not going to lie to you. They're great. <laughs> I, see like, I see it. And I don't know, maybe it's because now Ivy's also getting her own agency in the relationship. So it makes it a little bit more balanced, but I'm here for it now. Everything with them is good. Let's keep it going. Yeah, shout out to them too. Um, I would love to see them get like their flowers in the live action together, but. Mm. Oh, Margot was like. She said she really wanted to do it. I mean, yeah, but she's cursed, so. I don't say that, I want to see Barbie. Oh, Barbie's going to be amazing, don't worry. Like, Barbie's (laughs) like, Barbie's like set in stone. Like, that's not going to fly, it's Barbie. Come on, but like everything else Margot does, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. Mm. I haven't seen Babylon. I have. It was amazing. It's I like mean, a you go. I mean, <laughs> but it flopped mean? horribly. It flopped horribly. Oh, yeah. Like the movie, is, the movie is like amazing. Like it's flashy. <laughs> it's good. She has this one thing, like this dance number. She's high off coke, and she is just like in the party. She's dancing, and all these people are doing all this crazy stuff around her. There's actually like this pregnant woman who you see on the side doing a line of coke, and you're like, "What is going on oh. in this movie?" <laughs> It shows like the debauchery of Hollywood. That's why Hollywood hated it because it's like, don't show us in this negative mm-hmm. moment. But it was great. I mean, <laughs> I live here. You don't have to, have to see it. <laughs> and now, that's the thing. It's like, we all know, but you know, they like to be a little classy or at least put on the illusion. I get it. I'm the same way. Some of y'all, you gotta be like me and be like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> all right. Up next, we have learned that Sony has announced a Spider-Man noir film which was set in 1930s, uh, starting, starring Spider-Man Noir. Now, I have always wondered, how could they ever make a universe with just owning Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's only so many stories of Peter Parker that they could do. Well, I guess they show me. you. <laughs> <laughs> They'll figure out a way. You didn't see more of it? <laughs> Come on now. I did not. A lot of people did it. <laughs> I did. I saw it twice, actually. It was good. I don't know. Whoa. It was good in like, like vampires that much. It was good in like a trashy nineties movie kind of way. Like if this if Morbius had come out in like nineteen ninety-five, nineteen ninety-six, it would have cleared the deck. Everybody would have been up on it. It was trashy. The girl couldn't act. Jared Leto wasn't really acting that well. The story was a mess. But like some of the effects was nice. He would be flying, he would be turning the mist, and you're like, oh, I see the vision. 1996, though. So. <laughs> it would have cleared. I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm 
a long way to go back for a movie to be considered good. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's not, that's not a dig. I think 96 has some great movies. They did. Sure. Who would have I'm going to look them up, but yes. <laughs> um, all right, y'all. That is all, the, all we have this week for the updates. Let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come right back. Cool. I think once this is over, there's a lot of potential to like age him up and really start kind of going to the next phase that you want. I hope so. Let's get a graduation in there. A graduation, I think that that'll probably be like a special issue. Static graduation. I'm into it. Like they just did for Blue uh, Blue Beetle. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's all you need. It's coming. But all right, everybody, welcome back to the comic section of the show. We had a very interesting week. There were some very good comics. There were some very not-so-good comics, but we're going to talk about them all. Of course, starting with a few mentions, X-Men Legends number six came out. That was a good comic. Uh, it was, they're doing, the Legends series is about, like, writers coming to do their own in-continuity stories of characters from the past. So this one is about Bishop. And around the time when he comes to the X-Men and he's kind of explaining to them about everything that happened in his timeline with Fitzroy, them really good stuff. And then Secret of Invasion number four also came out this week that continues like the story of Maria Hill trying to stop this new Skrull invasion. She just like beat Tony up and jumped out of the helicarrier with no jetpack or parachute, which was pretty badass. I highly recommend everybody uh, pick that up. Ryan North is killing it. Franklin Billy's on art, killing it. Great people. Um, and getting into our main books of the week, first up on the list is Static, Shadows of Dakota, number one, from Nicholas Draper, Ivy, and Vita Ayala. They co-wrote it, and I believe Nicholas also does the art for this series. Come on, team that does it all. Okay. Listen. You gotta love um, that. You gotta put in the work. And um, <laughs> I would actually say that I enjoyed this issue. So, okay. Um, you know, when they did the original season one stuff, I was a little like, I'm not really into this. It, I felt as though, like, Vita's story was lacking like a punch for me to really come back. The heart was there. I love what they were doing with Static's family, specifically. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, but I didn't really stick with it because, like, I don't know. I, I wasn't getting the hype. This issue, now that we're going into season two, I'm kind of getting the hype. However, I wish they had, like, different art. So this story opens up with uh, Static is on his walk back to wherever he likes to go. <laughs> he's just walking. He's got food with him. And we see some cops picking on this homeless lady. Static comes in, of course, stops the cops from bothering this lady. He says he was here giving her food. And we see how, like, Static's a really great person. But then there are these people who have, like, been kidnapping bang babies and just, like, scooping them off the street. A lot of bang babies were going to like have a meetup, and this big explosion goes off. All these guys in these armed with these guns and armored trucks come through, and they're like trying to scoop up some bang babies. Stags come through, defeats all of them. Um, we really got to see a lot of his like magnetic powers, which I think um, should be emphasized a lot more, um, especially because like those are his powers. <laughs> you know, it's not just a little zap zap. His powers are magnetism. Um, so. That was really cool to see here, some great action stuff there. But again, I really wish that there was just 
some different art. This is giving like boondocks. And I really want Static to get like some like comic book art and like some bright colors and really see him like in some really cool light. I have seen pictures of the art. I will say that I've always noticed the uh, colors are kind of muted, which is a little bit like strange to me. I feel like with Static, he's got like, a, well, magnetic electricity powers. That's going to be very bright. You want to see that. I know he's got the yellow in his costume. I do always see the yellow. I feel like they try to put a lot of emphasis on that and take away color from everything else, which is like cool every now and again. But full time, I think I would agree. I would like to see something a little bit more comic booky bright. Yeah, I personally think that his best costume is his suit that he had in the TV mm-hmm. series, the blue and black costume, mm-hmm. blue, black, and gold costume. It gives him like a superheroic look. I wish they kind of would have done that, but like, I don't know, just changed it to a jacket instead of a trench coat. Kind of like what they do so with this one. Do they say how long it's supposed to have been since the first mini series in this one? Like, how long has it been? Yes. Has it been a couple months now? Yes, they open and say it's been three months since. Okay. So he's got a little bit more tenure under his belt with it. Okay. Yeah. He also we also see him go to school, go to this like uh I think they're like middle schoolers or something. There's an Inventors of Tomorrow presentation and he goes and he's uh, with a mentor because I guess Static is a mentor to this young kid who is an inventor. He also learns mm-hmm. that this kid has powers because like something breaks on his thing and the kid's like, Oh, I I could fix that. And Static's like, You're a bang baby? <laughs> yeah, but like, I'm not gonna say anything. Period. <laughs> um, I thought that that was kind of interesting. Uh, it's really cool to see how they kind of maneuvered Static through seeing all these different people with their powers. Um, later on, some kid like explains that he was the one who caused this explosion earlier, and he was like, you know, I just didn't even think. Like, I just lost control of my powers, and that's just how this big explosion happens. And Static's like. That's wild. Like, I use my powers all willy nilly because it's magnetism. But like, other people, they just like they have they have to like think about stuff like that. And he was like, I don't, I wasn't even thinking. I would just <laughs> pick up a truck. Um, mm-hmm. He was like, you know, who knows how what my powers have been doing to like the environment or like the people around me and stuff. Uh, meanwhile, Ebon has been like slowly creeping through the shadows, letting everybody mm-hmm. know he's coming through. He kidnapped this one cop who had been uh, killing bang babies, I think they were. And Yvonne was like, oh, we're not having that. So So he's not really doing nothing bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Okay. There's no problems yet. So <laughs> That's how I look at it. But yeah, Yvonne's back, which I think is kind of cool. Um, he tossed the person into a, a moving train. <laughs> so... <laughs> he's definitely letting everybody know he's back I mean, yeah, I'm interested in the story I just was I would hope that you know potentially we may get a different artist but I think this is only a mini series I think it's only six issues well what would you rate it so far well, this issue. I would give this issue a three out of five okay out of well five. the story is really interesting static is great we get to see him use his powers and be static um, again it's just the art for me <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, next up on our list is Poison Ivy number nine, and that comes from Chibola Wilson and Marcio Takara. This is not a book that has problems with the art. Marcio Takara is a genius at everything, looks good. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but so, you know, when I had been talking about the previous issues, we discussed, you know, Ivy was on this mission with her Lamia spore. She was going to cause another extinction level event. She ended up stopping. But while she was doing all of this, she had been writing Harley this, these letters. 
just about her mind state, what she was doing, where she was going, how she felt about humanity, how she felt about her, da 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 Told Harley she was going to go live in this place, leave her alone. Harley picked her stuff up, said, I'm on my way. This issue, Harley arrives. They immediately kiss, embrace, go do a little nasty, and they're laying in bed and talking. And Harley uh, tells Ivy that she wants to do her Lamia spore. She's like, I want to see the world the way that you do. So Ivy gives her a little taste. Ivy, Harley immediately gets high. And they then they go shrooms. out. To the time. <laughs> yeah, they do his room. And they go out into the town. They have like a date night. It's just like the issue is Ivy just kind of narrating all of her feelings, of course. And then you have the Ivy, I mean, I keep saying they're backwards, the Harley side of it, where she sees where Ivy is kind of closed in on herself and like thinking down and she's giving her words of encouragement and just kind of help her get out of that. And Ivy's just realizing like, wow, I love you. You're really smart. Ivy's like, yeah, I got a PhD. And they continue to go about their day. Ivy is living with this girl, Nancy. And the next day, Nancy's kind of like, when is your friend leaving? <laughs> and I mean, that's like, real. <laughs> but Ivy's like, she can stay here as long as she wants. Da, da, da. But then Harley's like, no, I'm leaving anyway. She's like, I got to go back to Gotham. I got work to do there. She's like, I want you to come back with me, though. I've got this house. I would love for you to be there. Ivy's telling her, I have my own stuff that I need to do. Harley's like, look, I'm not asking you to drop everything. I know you're a person with your own thing. Do what you need to do, handle your business. And when you're done, just know there's a home for you in Gotham and I want you to come back there. And it was just like, boom. And I was like, absolutely. Harley leaves. And it was just a really nice issue. And again, like I was saying earlier, I've really jumped on like this Harley Ivy train. I felt like their relationship has always been kind of it was like there, but again, it was still a really big emphasis on Harley and Joker and just kind of like how Ivy was there helping Harley get past that and kind of felt like this thing on just that was helping her get over that. Now I feel like there's been a lot of work that's really been put into their relationship, showing them both as their own people, as independence, how they help each other, why they love each other. Wilson is killing it on this book. Takara's art looks really good. Um, the part where they did shrooms together, like I genuinely kind of laughed a little bit because I was like, if my girlfriend had this power, I would probably do the same thing. <laughs> Not going to lie to you. Absolutely. So I thought that was a cute moment. And I thought it was a really nice way to kind of just set up this moment that shows that Harley and Ivy are together. Even if they're not together, they can act. And I'm excited to see where the rest of this goes. I would give this issue like a 4.5 out of 5. Honestly, kind of almost wow. 5 out of 5. It was like a really like perfect issue for me. And again, everybody knows I love true love. And which, like, this was that. Yeah, I love that. This was that. All right. Um, so next up on our list is Captain America Symbol of Truth, and that comes from Tanya Bucci, and R.B. Silva is doing the art now. Okay. Let me tell you something. Sam has been having a really good time. Sam, like, genuinely has really good solo series as Captain America. I can't think of one that's been, like, bad or... Um, good art, all of that stuff. And this one here has really shown him going into more of like a world politics and like helping out other countries and things like that, whereas the rest, he was mostly like on the ground in America in his cities doing stuff like that. And here, in this issue while he was doing that, Falcon got injured and the chemical that the White Wolf used to attack Falcon with has like reacted with his body in like this horrible way. He is like this villain. He's giving these monologues talking about like, oh, I'm the sidekick of Captain America who was left to die on the steps of like Parliament and all this stuff like that. And he's got his connection with Red Wing. So even Red Wing is attacking Sam and they're just like beating him down. Nomad pops up and he's like, who is this? And 
Falcon's like, oh, another Captain America sidekick. You'll satisfy my hunger. Flies him up to the air. So they have this big battle in the air. Nomad, Falcon, and Sam. And it looks really good. Army Silver, like, killed this issue of just how he draws it and the dynamics of how they fight and how they do it in the air. There's a part where Falcon's about to drop Nomad, and he talks about, like, why do all of Captain America's have healing abilities? It's like, because you know you're going to get hurt. There's also a little bit of... I'm losing a bit of my suspension of disbelief and some of Sam's stuff. He mm. kind of operates like he has the super soldier serum, and he does not. He is still oh. a very, like, regular human guy. But, like, I don't mind it, but also some of the things you see him doing, and, like, take, like the Falcon guy's, like, lifting him very high up in the air, slamming him onto the ground. He's, like, lifting up these concrete slabs that also have children on it, and he's just... He's doing some things. It's like, okay, you're strong, but it's also funny. I've been watching this show called... Hey, this is a quick sidebar. <laughs> I've been watching this show called The Physical 100 on Netflix. It's an athletic competition. And it's like based in Korea. So it's got all these Korean like bodybuilders, MMA fighters, dancers, just all these really big, muscly people. And they are huge. And so like I'm reading this book and I'm looking at Sam doing this stuff. And I'm like, this feels kind of crazy. But then also I'm watching this show and I'm watching these guys who are like, yeah, I just lifted like 700 pounds. So I was like, I don't know. Maybe he could do this. But then again, they juicing. Right. So he's <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I'm just like, what's going on? But no. Um, but it's just a really fun book. I think uh Tanya Bucci's really like getting his like feeling with Sam. Um by the end of it, he does end up kind of knocking Falcon out and he makes the uh claim that he's going to kill White Wolf. He's like, for what he did to Falcon, he's like, That's not it. So he's gonna kill him, which I really like. I feel like Sam has had a few sidekicks now and Falcon's probably the best one. Nomad is, of course, here again. Um, he don't really do all that. Nobody cares about Rayshawn, unfortunately. But I'm liking it. I'm loving the adoration he has for him. I'm loving the relationship. The yeah, that's Rayshawn. Oh, you're talking about Eli? Yeah. Oh. They don't They don't really have a relationship. And there's a, uh, a tweeter, a Twitter account that I was talking about this with once, and he said that he feels like in comics, Eli wouldn't get along with Sam. And I kind of agree with that. Mm. And it's like, we don't need that negative energy around here. You can stay somewhere else. So that's fine. That's fair. That's fair. But all in all, I would give this issue a four out of five. Really great art. I think the way Silverlight kind of draws the battle and stuff and everything in the air is great. There's a lot of colors because they're like, there's fire everywhere. The Falcon stuff was really good. Like, you know, I love a good villain monologue. So he killed that. Really interested in, to see where it goes. White Wolf kind of shows his full like villain costume suit and it's an all white suit. It looks hot. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, this is it. Everybody read it, pick it up. And. Our last book on the list. <sighs> Bishop War College number one from Jay Hoffman and Sean Damien Hill. All right. Okay. Let me let let me <laughs> let me prepare myself a little bit before we talk about this book. I'm gonna let y'all know off the rap. I hated this. I thought it was oh, terrible. Man. Like, I thought it was terrible. And I guess it also kind of shows, like, how much of a favorite character of mine that Bishop is. Because after I read this, I was, like, annoyed and, like, mad. And, like, I was that way for a couple of days. Even I was like, let me, like, not sit, you know, let me not sit in it. 
waited a few hours, read it again. I was like, I'm mad again. Went back the next day, read it again. I was like, I'm mad again. We'll get into it. So the issue starts out with like a data page from Danny to the Quiet Council. And she's talking about Bishop and him running this war college and how he's a good guy, but she doesn't think it might be a good idea. He's always been like a man of ferocity, ruthlessness, single-mindedness. He tried to kill Hope. This might not be the way to go. Then we get into the book and Bishop has his little uh, war college full of kids and he's screaming at them again, 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 very uh, like generic drill sergeant. They're losing. They're getting mad at him, calling him a jerk, storming off. Danny comes to confront Bishop like, oh, you're pushing the kids too hard. He's like, girl, mind your business. She's like, you're not going to bully me. He's like, I'm not a bully. We go into the various kids and they're all kind of talking about it. Two of them, um, Aura and... Laura Charles and Cam Long, they're two of the newer mutants. They actually were invented or created in the Prisoner X series that happened during Age of X-Men that also featured Bishop and Danny. And they're like talking about Bishop and how he's a jerk or and how he one of the girls defending him, the boys like he's a jerk, they're making out. I'm like, why am I watching these 10 year olds kiss? But that's like something else. Um, Amass is one of the threshold mutants who just showed up in Marauders. He's also on this team, and we have cut to a scene of him and Armor kind of discussing the things that have been going on and how they react. <laughs> I need to stop making that face. <laughs> um, we also like kind of go back to Bishop. He has been with Tempo. He's talking to her about like using her powers in a certain way. Their dialogue kind of gave me flirty a little bit. I wasn't yeah. really sure was intended um which i thought was weird because i thought like they had just kind of revealed that temple was a lesbian over in marauders but at the same token i flirt with women all the time as a gay man so it's kind of like i see where it could be just like them having fun but i will see i will i don't know if i'm gonna stick with this to see where it goes but we'll see um nonetheless bishop comes back he's like gathered all his little war college kids he's talking to them he's like you know i come from this place that was like really run down I had a hard life. If I'm like mean to you, it's because I care and I'm trying to push you. He takes them down to the space Corcoa that's kind of used as, uh, he's going to use basically as their training room. They've got wrong slide here. Tempo's using her powers to put him in this time loop where they just keep fighting back and forth. Fenris, who's been soaking around the island because they are trying to plan something pop up. They still like, oh, you guys aren't supposed to be here. A fight breaks out. They do bright blight swill excuse me from other world to depower the kids and bishop randomly gets teleported to a different universe where he runs into cyclops and jean gray who are black hated it and i started out annoyed from the first page so again bishop is a character who has been with the X-Men for a very, very long time. And then we got the Hope storyline, which a lot of people consider to be basically character assassination and like a very big death of the character for trying to kill the like mutant messiah. And we have a little bit of racist undertones in it because you got like the one black X-Man, of course, trying to like kill this little white girl. Throughout the Cable series, he chased them through time. He had like killed a planet, whatever. Around 2013, he comes back in Uncanny X-Force. Um, Betsy and Storm like kind of go through his mind. They do, Storm does something that doesn't really make sense where she like erases the memory. <laughs> but he remembers it anyway. And so from 2013, uh, I would say until honestly like now, a lot of Bishop's story has been kind of refocusing the character into who he's supposed to be and dealing with the repercussions of the Hope stuff. We've had him and Hope kind of team up once or twice, deal with their issues with each other. He's tried to deal with her again during when 
Cable died. We've seen how people react to him. Ron Hope, we even had Armor yelling at him about it in Uncanny X-Men Disassemble. And when we get to Krakoa, it is supposed to be this time of rebirth, newness kind of like reestablishing things but setting them forward in this tone of what it is. When you think of everything that Bishop has done during the Krakoa era so far, which honestly, to be real, has not been that much, because we know he wasn't doing anything in Marauders, but just like the status he's been given as a captain, becoming Captain Commander, like the place, the few times that we have seen his personality, like in that one Marauders annual, nothing about that gives you ferocious, ruthless, or single-minded. Nothing about that has gives you Oh, people are still looking at Bishop in a waywardly way that says, oh, you killed Hope. No one, nothing about that is saying the council sending you this thing talking about, oh, you're a drill sergeant. You need to make sure you treat these people like kids. Then even when you get into the aspect of him and Hope's relationship, I'm not mad that you're going to talk about that. He tried to kill that little girl. Cool. That's fine. I get it. It was a bad time, but it's not something that you can ignore. But why is it that when we get it, we're getting the exact same type of storyline that we got 10 years ago in this era about something that's new? He is a captain commander. In just the Hellfire Gala issue that you put out last year, you had Bishop sitting in there putting an emphasis on protecting the five, hope included. Why is all we get about their relationship Bishop is the bad guy. You don't have to get, and don't get, he is the bad guy. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's like, when you look at Hope, every story she gets is not about Bishop. It's not about, oh, I'm still right for him. It's still about how she's grown from it, how she's changed. Even Danny, who is someone who was like chastising Bishop for his attempted murdering of Hope, you was the girl kicking her across the table and beating her ass in the cafeteria during the Utopia area. Kick straight in that chest. So you didn't care, but you was calling her a project, not even acknowledging her as a real person. (laughs) Like pulling Cable to the side, like, I hope your project is worth it because my people got hurt. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, girl, he might have been trying to kill her, but you wasn't that far behind. But nonetheless, and then even and then when you go back to Danny, you think about there was an Infinity comic that came out a few weeks ago, and it featured Hope and Danny. And I think I even talked about it on the show, and I said it was really interesting to see how they had come from that time. When you think about Bishop and Hope, why do you not want to experience like what that relationship looks like now? I'm not saying they got to be friends. Why would they be? He tried to kill her. She's a warrior girl. They're gonna be. There's gonna be friction. But how do they maintain that? Like professionalism with that when he was trying to protect the five and get them to stand to the side what did that conversation between him and hope look like when they're around each other does she still feel kind of uneasy around him like how do they handle each other what's that argument like what's the push and pull we never see that all we just get is the people yelling at him and reminding him oh yeah you tried to kill this little girl who honestly isn't even thinking about it anymore so that entire thing was just frustrating. His characterization felt like very off to me. The story, when I think about the War College, and it's being something that I was really, really excited for, especially with Fall of X right around the corner. I would have loved to see this like team really come together, start seeing roster, start seeing defense strategy, start seeing like Bishop being a capable leader, building these things up, and like the uh, the like problems that come with it, the dynamics that are introduced into it. Instead, we kind of get like haphazardly run through all the relationships between the small class of people, which also feels weird because we were just doing the test run in the Hellfire Galaxy issue again when he had them pretending to be Avengers. But now we got a brand new kid, so we got to do it all over again. By the end of the issue, they're depowered and on their own, and Bishop has been transported to another universe. 
and I'm just supposed to like accept it all because the X-Men are black in this one. I mean, that seems to be the point, yes. So, I don't know. And they, and they say like when Bishop, um, there's been panels of Bishop when he was younger um, thinking about the X-Men. They said, you know, he did think they were black people. So they say like this mini is supposed to kind of be a play on that. He's finally meeting the black X-Men. He thought he did. But it's like, I don't care if all the writing and everything else about it is bad. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy it. Um, I didn't enjoy the art. I was really disappointed. I was like, was so turned off. I honestly don't know if I'll go back and read the second issue or like even continue. I definitely did unsubscribe from it on Comicsology. Uh, maybe depending on how reviews for the second one go, if I hear some good word about that, I might pick it up. But I was like really turned off by the characterization. The new characters, unfortunately don't really like resonate enough with me to like draw me in the Fenris stuff is just kind of like mid and it feels a little half-baked i i would have i truly would give this like a one out of five whoa and those are the books of the week Ooh, damn. All right. Well, uh, let us know what you guys think and what you guys are had at Liverpool. Um, this week for AI Club, I think we were going to take a break for February while we kind of reconfigure for March. So still send in whatever kind of suggestions you guys want to do for our next AR Club, but we will take those over the next couple weeks and get ready for March. Um, but in the meantime, let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back. Cool. Welcome back to the relaunch section of the show. And it is my week to come up with a relaunch. And y'all, I think it's time. I think it's time that we do a milestone relaunch. Now, hear me out. Technically, okay. I got one recently. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like that's kind of... Maybe relaunch is the wrong word here. But it's time to fully integrate the milestone characters within the DC universe. And I think that they could, should have some kind of event, some kind of Secret Wars kind of event. You know, Secret Wars was a great event, but the main reason was to get miles over from, <laughs> from the Ultimate Universe. I think they could have something like that where we have either uh, either call it, actually, no, have the capital of that city or something, the Dakota or Milestone mm-hmm. or something, you know. Because um, what are they called now in the comics? They're on a completely separate Earth, mm-hmm. and um, Dakota City is where everything kind of takes place. So I think okay. that they could make either, you know, a section in the DC universe the same way that Metropolis or Gotham, either call it Milestone or call it Dakota City, um, and, actually, so- and actually start to integrate these characters with the full DC universe. So I guess one of my things with Milestone is that whenever they do these reboots, I think we always get a lot of stuff about the new books that they're going to have, the new characters that they're going to have, how they're building this world out, things like that. With this relaunch of yours, is the intention also to kind of like bring a lot of those newer heroes back? Or do you feel as though that there's just kind of a core, maybe like five or six, who just are milestone and you just bring them in 
and then integrate it into that? Or is it still like you're bringing all of that stuff that they wanted to make and bring in like the hero duo who can transform? Or I remember there was supposed to be like some secret ops team or something like that. Do those also come along? You know, we're going to start with the main girls. Static, <laughs> Rocket, Icon, Hardware. You know, start with them, <laughs> the main people. Yeah. And all of each of them have their own, like, you know, supporting characters, which obviously would also tr- uh, go over with them. But we can start with them. Everybody mm-hmm. else, we'll figure something out for you later. But I do think it's time for, like, those characters to be with DC. Mm-hmm. They are under the DC banner, obviously, but Milestone is a separate um, Earth in its own, like, universe. And I think people want to see Static with the Titans. You know, they watched Young Justice. They want to see that in the comics. Um, I don't so think... So Static would be a Titan. Yeah, I would figure he would be over there with the Titans. Which era of Titan? Like, age-wise? Um, hmm... I don't want to say Cassie. I feel like he should be older than that. Um, but, and this is no shade because they're goaded. I don't think he's as old as, um, you know, that new Teen Titans team, <laughs> you know, Starfire. Oh, Nightwing and Nightwing. Yeah, they're like 30. Yeah. <laughs> well, realistically, in the real world, they should be like 30. DC's probably trying to say they're like 23, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we know what it really is. <laughs> we, know what that, we know what the IDs say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he should be you know, much younger than them, but like older than like that Cassie click. Okay. I guess that makes him like well, I don't know. I feel like Cassie's been de-aged too. She has been. Been this. Yeah. Because I would say he's probably around like I guess the Jackson John age. They're like yeah, 18, 19 ish i could see him being with them but they're not titans <laughs> they leaguers <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome see, again I, right there. I think that'd be interesting to see all of the like frictions that could happen with oh you're a leaguer i'm a titan like what what they can and cannot do with each other um but again static and like their other milestone characters i would like them to get in on that action and they can't do that completely separated from everyone oh, okay. else I, I do agree. I think that's been a big hindrance for that whole little side of what they've been trying to do and like rebuild them up is kind of making them separate. I personally think about the Static Shock cartoon and those episodes where Static was with the League and the Batman Beyond stuff like that. Robin. That was high. And I would really appreciate seeing that. I even think about that brief time when he did pop over and he was, <clears throat> excuse me, on the Titans team and like Aqua Girl was there. And, you know, he was hanging out with them. That was a cool thing to see, too. So I think it works best for him. I don't really know why they keep separating it. You know, the Milestone the milestone characters are completely owned by Milestone, so they don't have to integrate them if they don't want to. And they, mm-hmm. all these characters were originally had their own stuff going on. So um, mm-hmm. they just kind of keep them separate. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. I mean, I'm all for like them moving over and doing a full integration. Maybe they get another crisis or something. The Earth's crash, convergence. You know, DC loves that kind of stuff. So I could see a it convergence happening. Convergence will be nice, yes. I just think you really got to stick with where you put them and how you make them work. Obviously, I think Icon would probably be good on like a JSA, personally. He would, 
It'd be great there. Um, hardware, I don't know too much about, so I can't do like that. Iron, he's just like, like Iron Man. Yeah, that doesn't. He, he could be. It would be interesting it. to see him be a. Um, I don't want to say an enemy, but like a foil to like Steel. Oh, I guess I could see that. But they're both here. They're both well, heroes, he, but it's just like you know. Yeah. I guess, I guess, like I said, I just really think it depends on all where you put them. I think Static, obviously, is, like, the biggest one. Rocket, she probably will have a good time. And Icon, I kind of consider them, like, the trinity of Milestone. Yeah. Everybody else, we'll see. You can get in where you fit in. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah. you are correct. <laughs> I, I think that trinity could do wonders in, like, the DC universe. I would love to see Static, you know, that's also a way you can age him up. You can finally at least have him you know, going to college at Star Labs, you know, having internships there or something. Ooh, that would actually be kind of cool. cute. Yeah. You can see Cyborg. But his powers and stuff. Yeah. I think that would I be like great. It. Um, you know, Rocket, I actually really enjoyed her as an ambassador to of Earth, as we saw in Young Justice. I think that was a really interesting role with her. And then we kind of see her be like, you know, a working mom and stuff. I think that would be interesting. Stuff we don't see in a DC universe, and that would just instantly make the DC universe a hell of a lot more diverse. Like, yeah, they need it. I mean, come on, it's right there, y'all. So maybe it's coming. Maybe, maybe there's something out there, and I don't know it. But because there's a lot of time things, they have a milestone 30th anniversary issue, like a one shot coming out, and the mm -hmm. 93. Milestone characters are going to meet the 2023 versions of these characters. Like they're oh, do some kind of time thing there. Time paradox. Mm -hmm. Okay, they kind of made it. You know, once the girls start getting the time travel stories, it's like mm -hmm. you hear. I get the feeling that they're going to use that special to kind of like explain, you know, what their big initiative was. And, you know, I felt like I finally got it just by going back to reading those old books. But I think this one shot mm -hmm. and having the characters meet each other is like, oh, okay, well, this is. A new thing we're starting over here, and while well, that was what it was, that's what it was. Yeah. We'll okay, see. I can I'll check it out. I'll cross my fingers for you. Thanks. I need a job, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of this show. Please make sure you rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts. You know, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at another relaunch. You can email us at another relaunch at gmail.com. You can watch us at Another Relaunch TV. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore at there. Oh, all right, y'all, let's get up out of here, and then we'll catch you next week. Peace. Bye.